I don't know who that is, but do you agree with that assessment of the situation with Jackson Dart? Nip. No, I, I, I like, I, I, yeah, he definitely wants to play. No, I, I just like, what, what evidence do they have other than like hearsay that he definitely wants to go to BYU? The, the major issue that I have is those sound like how, how old do you think those guys are, judging by their voice? Mid thirties, late thirties. Okay, sure. I guess it just bothered me when the one guy said Twitter and Insta uh, at the very beginning of that. Oh no, yeah. it just didn't like didn't flow real well to me. Just go ahead and say Instagram there, bud. You can go ahead and finish it out. Yeah, that is weird. I didn't catch that, or I, I didn't for whatever reason that that I don't know. But here's the here's my opinion of the matter. I believe the University of Oklahoma has the best shot at landing Jackson Dart. Sixty nine percent chance, and here's the reason. I believe that. Ole Miss is probably um, a legitimate chance to to start. But, you know, the real key to the offensive success there has left town. Lane Kiffin's a smart guy when it comes to offensive football. There's no doubt about that. I still think that, that Ole Miss is probably going to do some good things on the offensive side. All right. But you have to admit that – Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin, like kind of like kind of how things go down there doesn't really fit what at least we've been told about Jackson Dart, the family, and sure. all those things. And then you take BYU. You're basically saying why would a Mormon ever go to uh, Ole Miss and play for Lane Kiffin? Well, yes. <laughs> BYU, obviously it's close to home, aligns – more with uh, what you would think of the family. But here's the thing. BYU does not have a history of great offense putting quarterbacks into the NFL. I know it's happened, and it happened recently with Wilson, but guess what? That offensive coordinator is no longer there. Yeah, no, you're right. Like right? It may be better than... It's it's better than Ole Miss's historically, but right. let's not act like that's been a quarterback factory here it's over the not. past decade. It's yeah, not. no, that's that's right. Good program, but it's 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 not. Oklahoma is really the perfect marriage of the two. You have a program that does have a track record, and not just with the last head coach, does have a track record of putting quarterbacks into the league, of playing great offense, of winning big games, of you know, uh, competing at the the highest level, and you have a head coach that is wearing it on the sleeve about the holistic approach and and how he wants the right guys and wants this program to do it right and and be about the the right things. It's the perfect it's the perfect situation when you combine all of those things. Sure. So now the only the only difference is. You know, those places, he's most likely going to be able to start right away. But like, where does where does that necessarily fall in their value system? Like, like where do you have to go somewhere where you're going to be able to be guaranteed essentially the starting job right away? That's the one thing that doesn't make it just an absolute home run for Oklahoma. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that. And I, I do have a question for the text line that I need answering. But before we get to that, it's... Yeah, 
uh, there is an article out on 24-7 sports, and it's like, what we know, what we don't know about both Jackson Dart and Caleb Williams, okay? Mm-hmm. So here's what they say, the what we know about Jackson Dart. He took, an, he took official visits to Ole Miss and OU last week, and he was reportedly on BYU's campus yesterday. Yes, they're right. We know that. Ole Miss feels good about where it sits with Dart per a source, okay? But then here's the interesting one, the third one. The Sooners have sold Dart on competing with Dylan Gabriel. If Gabriel were to win the job in 2022, Oklahoma has sold Dart on developing and then starting in 2023. And as I mentioned with, with Parker earlier, I, I guess, and maybe it shouldn't, but that surprised me a little bit. Maybe I'm making way too big of a deal of the left hand and how that's going to affect Dylan Gabriel at the next level and his possibilities. But if that's true, I'm surprised that the thought process is, all right, Gabriel's our dude for one year, then he's out to the NFL, and then we're talking about a guy like Jackson Dart in 23 and 24. That, that surprises me a bit. Maybe it's not true, but they're listing that as like things that we know. Okay. If if these and I can't fact check these, but if these are without a doubt things that we know, go back and read Oklahoma's. Just the beginning of it. Maybe he's reading oh, email God. form Open and he's like, maybe file. pull it up seriously. Oh, you, why don't you just remember what I say here's for what once, it was. okay? Here's what, it's, here's what they said in things that we know. And I don't know if they're these are things that they know or things that they've heard. There's a big difference. They said, we know that Oklahoma has sold Jackson Dart on uh, competing for the job. And if he doesn't win it, He'll start in 2023. He'll start yes. in 2023. Now, unless they've got a different ver- like definition of what they've sold him on, when I hear that, that means like he's agreed like that that would be the the way things would unfold, right? Yep. That, they've yeah. sold him on that. Right. If they've sold him on that, he is 100% coming to Oklahoma. It's over. If they've convinced him that He'll start in twenty. He'll start in twenty twenty three, and mean, we'll develop you over the years. Given the other two options, it's a hundred percent turned out. Like now, you don't even need to report anything. It else. makes it interesting for Nick Evers, right? The incoming uh, freshman quarterback. It's like, yeah. oh, okay, all right. But uh, at the end of the day, you don't. You don't. Even when you tell someone like we envision you being the starter, you don't. Nothing is guaranteed. He's still going to have to come in. Like he'd have to earn it in 2022. He'd have to earn it in 2023. He'd have to earn it in 2024, right? And and they expect with with his talents that he'd probably be able to do that. And they probably told Nick Evers the same thing. Like you have the potential to play yourself into a starting role here. Okay, that's true. Here's the question I want to ask the text line. All right, Um, I'm just wondering if this is a situation where if Jackson Dart ends up coming here. He'll be thought of of okay, well, Dylan Gabriel's going to be the starter, sure, but the better player here is Jackson Dart. I don't, I don't know. Do you like feel that situation at all? You know, like he's the backup quarterback, and people acknowledge that. But people are going to go to the spring game. Some fans are going to go to the spring game and be looking for a reason to say that Jackson Dart's the better of the two uh, between him and Dylan Gabriel. 
Much True. like a much like the Caleb Williams Spencer Rattler situation that exists last year. You, you, you remember what that was like. Well, that I, happened I wonder last year. I wonder if that was a similar if there'd be a similar situation this offseason. That situation exists every single year at 90% of the universities and NFL teams. Well, not maybe not NFL, but the backup quarterback is always like the greatest thing. And whenever he gets his chance, boy, that's going to be the difference for our program. So basically, what I'm asking is text line like, who do you think is a better quarterback, Dylan Gabriel or Jackson Dart? Uh, well, I think that's a it, it's, it's a really tough question to answer. I understand that. I don't know that there's necessarily even. I don't know that you can have a straightforward answer. I think both of them could probably be. You know, have different strengths and different weaknesses. So, I think Jackson Dart looks like the the more prototypical type of kid, right? Um, great arm talent, and I think that Dylan Gabriel is, you know, not that he's more competitive. Everyone is competitive at the highest degree, but he's got more of a like grit factor to him a bit, you know. I, I don't know who's got the better, like, straight-up skill set. It's probably a little bit different. At the end of the day, I think both guys probably have the the opportunity to, to do really good things at OU, and, and I think both of them could. And frankly, I don't know that anyone has seen enough of Gabriel and Dart to be able to make any type of judgment as to who the better guy is Jackson Dart's never even played in this system right small sample size of the text line no brainer Dart would be the guy that's one uh for next year it's Dylan Gabriel so we're going to be split judging by these responses split you know pretty much down the middle on who the better player is that the first text is saying that no doubt Jackson Dart would be the no brainer no brainer no brainer Dart would be the guy for this upcoming season yeah Huh. That's what I'm telling you. It's, it's gonna be pretty split here. But regardless, how can of, you? How can anyone even make that statement? It's the text line, man. You can make any statement you want. That's which, true. Which, by the way, if if uh, Jackson Dart does come to OU, and we've been kind of saying, huh, well, they've got a transfer quarterback in Dylan Gabriel. Do they have the best quarterback in the Big Twelve? Might we be saying that OU has the best two quarterbacks in the Big Twelve on its roster? Now that's gonna be really hard to. You know, prove if Dart's not playing, and you've got some other guys coming back that have played way more football than he does. But you know, it's it's at least a conversation to have. They might have the best two quarterbacks in the league on their own roster next season. I don't know why, but I'm shocked that someone said it's a no-brainer that Jackson Dart would be the starting quarterback. I don't know why you expected to get anything different. Of course, there was going to be differing opinions and hot takes on here. I just don't know that that I bet if you ask Jeff Lebby, like he wouldn't even know who. He probably thinks it's going to be a really competitive battle, and he probably has a lean one way or the other. But no brainer. I don't. Neither one of these guys are at the end of their development. I think both guys have the potential to continue to get better. And whenever you got players that are in that mode, nothing's a no-brainer. Well, some things are a no-brainer, but I don't think this 
I've never seen any of them play, but Dart has a better name, and that's my choice, and you can't talk me out of it. That right. one I, I, I cannot disagree with. Gabriel has the maturity, experience, and leadership needed, all right? I don't know, man. I think one of the greatest quarterback names in NFL history is Roman Gabriel. And I I think that Dylan Gabriel is I think that's a pretty good name too. It's not Roman Gabriel, but I mean it's 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 fine. It's it's all right. Jackson Dart is the cooler name here, with without a doubt. It's better uh, than might, it's better than Dylan Gabriel. He's a quarterback, Teddy. His last name's Dart. It's not that's did, that's the no brainer in the conversation. Yeah, how does he spell Jackson though? Because that always factors yeah, in. Yeah, it's a very millennial way of uh, yeah. J A X S O N is how you spell it. You know, it's like I'd like yeah. to have that one back. You know, that is, that is you know in you know a thousand years from now when they're looking back and studying uh, studying this this you know era of human history. They're going to be perplexed as to why we just randomly, out of nowhere, tried to find 50 different ways to spell the same name. <laughs> uh, it's not like, and yeah. these haven't been passed down from, you know, family tradition of this is the spelling and this is how it was in the Bible. None of, it's just random ways of spelling the same thing. It is going to be odd, like... Looking back at the annals of uh, OU football history in 100 years, it's like, oh, okay, they had a Josh, and they had a Nate, and then they had a Jason, and oh, a Paul. And then they went from a Rhett to a Baker to a Kyler to a Jackson. I'm sure an Aiden is going to be on the roster here in a few years. You know, The, the names have uh, dramatically changed here is, over the past 20 years. Is the different spelling of the same name over and over, is that – is that like the the snowflake thing that you you are different and you are special and you are unique? So I know there's a bunch of different people with the same name, but we're going to spell it differently because you are special. Is I think that you're what on, that is? Yeah, yeah, I think you're on to something. Yes, text line, Elvis Peacock is the greatest football name of all time. We have established that multiple times on the show. That's true. Pretty good. But, dude, it's it's split. Dart and Dylan Gabriel. So here's a glimpse into the offseason. If you don't want to talk about a quarterback competition, if you're not in the mood for that, if you can't handle that mentally, then you, I, bet, I guess you better root for Dart to go to Ole Miss or BYU. Because otherwise, that'll, that'll be the, the, the conversation. I would love a quarterback conversation throughout the offseason. But what a, I don't, what I cannot handle is whenever we. They're six practices in. Nobody has seen them practice. But someone heard on a message board that Dart is by far the better player. I I don't practice that, six. That's practice three, dude. Three. Uh, that is what I can't handle. They haven't even been, been in pads yet. I can't, I just can't wait to make the joke this off season that this is the. Uh, this is the first quarterback competition at OU since Austin Kendall and Kyler Murray were battling it out in 2018. <laughs> well, I don't know. Y- you know what's interesting? A quarterback battle between two players that, like, there's really no, like, a lot of times, like, say a guy comes in and, 
he's been there for two or three years, and now it's his turn to compete. And, you know, the other guy – we always talk about the split locker room, right? Well, nobody here has any tie to either one of these guys. They're just two, two guys off the street. So it's the whole like split locker room thing is interesting. Well, uh, before we hit a break, here, lack of. But going back to a conversation earlier, that is true. Two guys off the street, but uh, one of those guys has kind of uh, already gotten himself uh, adjusted to the to the team a little bit, right? Yeah, you know, and some guys, some guy is uh, already making that early impression. Yeah, and you gotta feel like if you're if you're Dart and you are heavily considering Oklahoma that. That pressure of knowing that your competition is getting a jump on you has to be eaten at you, right? Yep. Just the, even though that it hasn't been long enough for anything to matter at all, but he already has an understanding of the offense and he's there with the team that has to eat at you a bit. All right, quick time out. More from the rush coming up. Final hour rolls on. It is the rush on the ref. Tyler and Teddy were inside the Brown O'Haver studio on this Thursday. A couple college football notes to hit. Big news for Arkansas today, and they made a big deal about it on social media. Kendall Bryles is staying to be the OC there with the Hogs. He's reportedly offered the Miami OC gig, but he's like, nah, I'm going to stay to Arkansas for one more season. That's a, big, that's, a, that's a really big deal for them. Did it get a yes, sir, from Pittman? It did not get a yes, sir, or even a turn that damn jukebox on, but (laughs) they're still happy about it. Huh. Well, yeah. Did I see that their their running back transferred out, hit the portal? Did he? No, I I just still continue to laugh that everyone thinks that they're a top 10 team heading into next season. And, hey, I, I fully acknowledge the job that he's done. at Art- What, they win nine games this year, I think? And went to a pretty nice bowl game this year. Arkansas's made some major strides, more than anyone else in the SEC for sure. But to think that they're – in my, I mean, I don't know. To, to think that they're going to be a top 10 team next year, I, I, don't, I don't buy that for one, for one second. They were a 9-4 and four football team. Yeah. Uh, but their four losses were, for the most part, close into really good teams. So Georgia, Georgia kicked them though early in the season. Georgia kicked them thirty-seven zero. They lost to Ole Miss fifty-two fifty-one. Crazy ending to that game. I guess the Auburn one wasn't that close, thirty-eight twenty-three, and then uh, Alabama beat them by a touchdown in Tuscaloosa. So. I, you can also look at it and say that they really didn't beat anyone either. No, they they hammered Texas at home. They beat a bad LSU team on the road in overtime. They um, did beat Texas A&M. E, okay. That's, whatever you want to make of that. I, 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 you know exactly what I want to make a, of that game. 
Other news, Latrell McCutcheon to USC. OU fans had a pretty giant LOL reaction to that last night. Just, I'm shocked at that. Yeah, like, well, yeah. It's it's just shocking that he was vocal about the ex-coaching staff. His dad right. was very vocal uh, about the ex-coaching staff, and he ends up going out there to play. That's, okay. why, that's why I found that one to be a little bit strange, but... I was, you know what? And I was really proud of the fan base last night because normally if someone transfers away, it's like, oh man, that one's sting, that one's hurt. The reaction to Latrell McCutcheon leaving is like, <laughs> I think we can replace nine tackles in one PBU. I think we'll be all right at that position. No worries. Yeah. Good for the fan base on that one, I guess, but I'm still beyond frustrated. Of all of the people that I see that are Oklahoma fans begging Caleb Williams in his mentions to come to Oklahoma. That it frustrates looks, me to know it. It looks pretty desperate and pathetic to me. Uh, yeah. is there Are there any fans left that want him to come back? Well, obviously there are, but what's the percentage? I think it's a pretty low percentage, to be honest with you. I think most people are most people get annoyed when we even bring up the conversation or even talk about him. I think by now people are like good riddance, and the longer this Jackson Dart thing goes on, I don't know, maybe the more and more people are like, God, just whatever, we'll just roll with with Dylan Gabriel. We're we're gonna be we're gonna be all right, right. M- much like the mule shoe thing, there was initial initially like a panic a panic reaction but once everyone kind of calms down everyone's like yeah this is this is OU we'll, we'll we'll be all right we'll be okay right and y- and you and I both still believe that okay is Caleb Williams better than Dylan Gabriel and Jackson Dart at quarterback sure maybe but is Caleb Williams the difference in this team winning a national title next year or not heck no no way no way that's the case right um and I still maintain that, and I mean, I actually, I, I actually am in the camp that I hope he doesn't come back. But I still think it doesn't matter if he goes to USC. It doesn't matter where he ends up. I think it ultimately will be an incredibly dumb decision to have left Oklahoma. Sure. Dumb. Zane in Tulsa says, I desperately want Caleb to come back, primarily so Link, uh, I mean Muleshoe, comes up empty in the quarterback derby. Well, he doesn't have to come back here for that to happen. I would, now, I would like him to come back here and be second team quarterback. Wow. I, I'd be fine yeah. with that. The second team quarterback or just go to UCLA. Right. If he cares about OU fans forgiving him, just go to UCLA and put up a 50-burger on SC next year. Oklahoma's pitch to him was that uh, if Dylan Gabriel goes to the NFL after the 2022 season, <laughs> he'll have the they'll fully allow him to compete for the yeah. job with Nick Nick Evers. For You'll get to compete with Nick Evers in 2023, all right? But Gabriel's our guy in 22. Hey, I I'm going somewhere with this. Who? Which coach in the Big 12s on the hot seat going into next year? Um, Not like who will find themselves on the hot seat, but who clearly is entering next season on on the hot seat. Hmm. That's actually interesting. Um, I 
guess you, the only one is Neil Brown. But you're kind of even iffy on that one. Neil Brown is 17 and 18 at West Virginia, 11 and 15 in Big 12 play. But I don't really necessarily get the hot seat feel from him either. out there. Uh, ESP agrees with you, by the way. Um, they kind of they went down a list and did you know co- college football coaching hot seats in 2022 today, and they have none for the Big 12. And the only name to keep an eye on that they had was Steve Sarkeesian. Neil Brown was mentioned as the record needs to get better, but the only guy that was actually like mentioned at all in the whole league was Sark going into year two. Yeah, he'd have to have another five and seven yeah. type of season. But I think if he if he has another five and seven, they would probably move on. A five and seven would be another complete and utter disaster where you're talking about losing to two to three really bad football teams, most likely. That's wild. I I, I can't even I, I can't even like entertain another five and seven season. Why not? Texas. I I don't know because I just don't know how it's possible. I should know how it's possible, but it's not possible here. But dude, we're talking about Texas. Like they- I know. I just don't. This is the problem with salary. Sarkeesian, I don't know what what he makes eight million a year or something like that. I don't know, but when the more you're paid. The more you're worried about continuing to be paid that amount, all someone has to do to have success at Texas is say, get the hell out of my program. Leave me alone. If I need something, I'll ask you guys for it. Other than that, buzz off. That's all it takes. But everyone agrees to these big salaries, and when you agree to that big salary, man, you better shake the hands and you better you better do the dance and make sure everyone's happy. Uh, let's see if we can find seven losses in here for Texas. ULM, I'll give them that one. That was a win. Alabama at home, um, that's going to be destruction. UTSA at home, UTSA is a pretty good football team last year. Weren't they a one-loss team? Yeah, did that coach end up going somewhere? Jeff Trailer, I think he's still there. Now, I don't I have no idea how many players UTSA is bringing back next year. 12-2. Um, that's, that's not a cakewalk. Nope. It's not. Uh, at Tech, they could lose at Tech. I-, I can go down this entire conference schedule. The fact of the matter is, if they don't get better than what they were last year, any game on here is losable because they lost to Kansas at home. Yep. Every game that they lost last year, they could lose again next season. And every game that they won last year, they can lose next season. Seriously? So, yeah. I don't expect them to. I think they'll have they'll – have, uh, a pretty big improvement, but who knows? Man. I, I love this from Sean. Sarkeesian five and seven means Gary Patterson in twenty twenty three. Could you imagine? I would love Ooh. to see the Texas. I don't know Texas fans. They're they're so odd and unique. They would probably love Gary Patterson being the head coach down there. Yeah, coach the football team during the week and. Uh, perform out of Austin City limits on the on the weekend. Right? They, they'd move all their games to Sunday, so uh, <laughs> Gary could perform on Saturday nights. There's no doubt about that. All right, are you? Uh, well, more? I just I I thought that this was interesting, and it's not going to be true. Zero guys on the hot seat in the Big Twelve going into next year. Zero guys on the hot seat in the SEC going into next year. Now, you and I both know the SEC is like the NFL. It's a permanent hot seat. You can always count on three or four coaches 
Yeah, uh, just like Dan fired. Mullen wasn't on the hot seat, right? Exactly. Didn't even make it through the season. Dan Mullen wasn't on the hot seat in like week six, <laughs> and he ended up getting fired like three weeks later. It felt like. Yeah, uh, just by scanning it, I would say that I agree with that right now. But things can turn really quickly. Like it wouldn't shock me if if Lane Kiffin did something stupid and got fired. My, Mike Leach, um, that right. that bowl game didn't leave a the best taste in their mouth. I mean that that could definitely happen next season. That bowl game was a disaster. If Nick Saban loses a regular season game, I'm sure Alabama's going to want to fire him. Probably. At least the fans will. They will after that disaster of a season and getting spanked in the championship game. Wow. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. A couple of segments left. Stay tuned. Did I just freak everyone out about the Brent Venables hire? Skip Bayless saying something positive about Brent Venables? Uh, everyone worried now? Yeah, that that can be troublesome. <laughs> hey, um, I don't mean to be rude, but did you see who the new safeties coach at LSU is? I didn't know this until today. I did not. Carrie Cooks. Really? Is the new safeties coach at LSU, to huh. which a lot of OU fans right now are saying, <laughs> LSU that calls itself DBU hired Kerry Cooks. Now, wasn't he at Notre Dame before he came to OU? So he would have yes. been with Brian Kelly. So there's the connection there. It's just, he's okay. And I know he's got a, a pretty good history of, of, you know, some players that he's coached and coaching for good defenses. It didn't work out at Oklahoma. Or Tech, right? Went to Tech the the next year? Yeah, I think he was just there for kind of like a, you know, like a one-and-done type of, of situation. But there's a lot of good coaches out there, and every situation doesn't work. And I believe that, a lot of the struggles that we've had defensively are more of a are more of a culture issue and detail issue than not having good coaches or good players. I think there's been good players that have come through here but have been allowed to like some things have been allowed to fester that shouldn't have been allowed to fester. And to blame that on the position coach isn't always the, the true the true culprit here. Now, you're not going to get me to, to sit here and say that Kerry Cooks is a terrible football coach, and I'm not going to sit here and say that he's the best defensive backs coach in the country. It, I think it, a lot of the success or failure has to do with like the like, what is allowed or not allowed around the program at the time? Well, he's he's got big expectations out there. I mean, if they're proud of any position on the field, it's defensive backs. Again, it's DBU true. is what they so. You know, this is a high high risk situation out there for him. That's for sure. All right, text line 
First off, Kendall says he wants to know if you would feel the same way about the hire if you wouldn't have played at OU under Brent Venables. No, that's impossible for me to feel the same way. Um, the, I feel the way I feel because I have firsthand knowledge of his style, his process, what he values, how he how he builds relationships. Like I have a, I have firsthand knowledge of that, so there's no way that I would feel the same. It would be like it would it would be like if Lanning doesn't have the the track record. I mean, if if I'm trying to think of anyone that's got a similar track record, if we hired them as head coach, Kirby Smart. As a coordinator, he's got a similar track record. I mean, probably the closest that you're going to get. Yeah, I know things just changed for him and how we think about him. I, you know, I would probably, I would probably be excited about it, but there's no way I would feel the same. There's no way, and I think that would be, I would think that would be the same, not just for, for guys that played for him, but also for fans that watched firsthand what he was uh, you know what, what what he's capable of here I, I think that's why the fans are so it's nostalgic it was nostalgic for everyone sure that, that whole I mean the time it still is but especially when it happened and he landed at the airport there was a lot of nostalgia going around it, right. it's going to be how it used to be right you know, and maybe it is I mean there's a chance that it will be USC is tweeting out the fight on emoji Today has been gorgeous in L.A., sunny and 72 degrees, perfect day to shoot a commitment video at the Coliseum with more than, with more than one USC account tweeting out the fight on emoji. I think the Caleb Williams news drops on Friday. Good. Please let it drop tomorrow so we can move on. Let us all move on. Just, God, make a decision, please. It's annoying. I, my annoyance level with it is at a zero. I'm not annoyed with it. I'm not interested in it. I don't have one single like ounce of me that gives a rip where he goes. I guess maybe unless it was someone that we have on the schedule in the, the next season. I, I think he's a good talent, but I think it is totally – immaterial on the success of this program. The only fans who want Caleb Williams back are the born after 95 sensitive millennials with abandonment issues. <laughs> Dang. Wow. <laughs> I, Is that everyone born after 95, by the way? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I didn't know that uh, kids born after 95 even like football, so that's, that's a nice surprise. Right. If you've got abandonment issues and someone later abandons you, isn't that like that's the people that should turn the quickest, wouldn't you think? But I don't know. It 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 fascinates me because like I see stuff all the time and this like popped into my my timeline and I was just looking at it. And it's a Texas A&M fan. Oh, God. That's okay. Okay. And Let me brace myself here. It says OU fans all mad at Lincoln Riley for snatching up their players and recruits. Uh, they sure didn't mind dry fits recruiting tactics while in Norman. 
And it angers me that there's any fans that are mad. I'm telling you, and I've been saying this from the beginning, no one should be mad. They should be happy, right? What am I missing? Are we not in a better spot today not close. than we were two months ago? It's not close. I mean, any, so who I, out there is angry? Get I, over it. I, I, like no one would trade spots right now for sure. There's no one that would. Hey, um, <laughs> or they shouldn't. What's the word that was used in the article? Oklahoma has been ravaged in the transfer ravaged. portal. Yeah, is that what it was? Twenty four seven Sports put out their transfer rankings. No big deal. OU's just at number five on the list. LSU at one, Ole Miss at two, SC at three, Florida State at four, OU at five. For like guys that are coming e- in? Yeah, OU's done the fifth best job via the transfer portal, according to this website. Yet they've been ravaged in the transfer portal this offseason. Right. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. And you never know. They've got so many different people that write for them that like – I guess opinions can vary, but it's weird to see one place put out conflicting reports on one team. A little confusing. Right. It's weird. There should be a little bit of uniformity to like these pieces whenever they're ranking teams. Like there should be uniformity between each you can't say that someone has been ravaged not going to be any good. They're outside of our way too early top ten, but then say that, boy, they've made huge moves in the transfer portal. It's weird. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We'll wrap it up next. Stay tuned.